0: Welcome to BIO, a podcast produced by the Biographers International Organization. BIO is devoted to promoting the work of biographers and advocating for biography as a genre with the support of biographers and biography lovers worldwide. I'm BIO member Lisa Napoli in Los Angeles. On each episode, we'll talk with a biographer about his or her work. High school English teacher Raquel Ramsey made a promise to her husband, the celebrated war hero Lieutenant Edwin Price Ramsey, before he died, that one day she'd tell the story of his sister, Nadine Ramsey, one of the few American women to fly fighter aircraft in World War II. Ramsey knew well how her husband had spent four years behind enemy lines in the Philippines, leading the charge against the Japanese infantry, and she'd helped him to see both a book and documentary made about his life. But his sister's achievements were less clear. Telling her story involved a different sort of heroism, and to do it, she enlisted the help of a writer, Tricia Orend. On February 25th, 2021, I talked with them both via Zoom from their respective homes in Southern California about their book, Taking Flight, the Nadine Ramsey Story, published in September, 2020 by University Press of Kansas. Raquel Ramsey goes first.
1: She was so humble. She never talked about her achievements at all. And it was Ed who said, my sister, my sister, my sister. And then he made me promise that when I retired from Beverly Hills Unified School District, 50 years I finished, that I would write her story. And I'm thinking, yes, honey, yes, you know, I mean, I'm looking, I have to research. There's nothing but pictures and some, you know, rights, you know, journals that she had. But other than that, there was nothing and so it was it was a challenge to get there. You well, know? and that's
0: that's why I'm excited to talk with you because many people come to Biographers International. Not everybody has as remarkable a story to tell, but how, how does a career school teacher and loving family member set about writing a biography with just that kind of forensic evidence that you had, just photo- photographs? What did you, how did, what was your steps? You have a long list of um, archives that you consulted and people you worked with, but walk us through, for somebody who's trying to do the same kind of thing, how you did it.
1: Well, first of all, it was having the objective. I promised Ed I was going to keep my promise. The thing is that when he passed away eight years ago, I retired from Beverly Hills Unified School District. But the Vanilla Fire came to me and they wanted to do his documentary. So I got immersed as executive producer of Never Surrender, the Ed Ramsey story. So everything was Ed. And I'm thinking, okay, I want to keep his promise, but I mean, I'm working on Ed right now. But at the same time, I started trying to see the materials. So that was the first. It was like being a historian, archivist, and because of Ed's, uh, you know, history, I had on files everything about him. Okay, so I was pretty good in that archivist and historian. But now with Nadine, there was nothing but a box, okay? Of all of these pictures. Pictures that were not even labeled, okay? Who was who? And so there comes the search and research. But I thought, okay, so I will be guided by him, finding anything with him. And then his book, Lieutenant Ramsey's War, covered Nadine. And so there was a portion of Nadine in his book then when vanilla fire did the documentary they focused on nadine too and so that was already there so it was good to be able to start from somewhere the next thing i thought is i want to interview the wasps maybe some of his ladies knew her were classmates and i was so lucky to get her classmate in the training command and her classmate in the ferrying command So even though the Women's
0: Air Force Service Pilots, pilots, WASPs, was Mm -hmm. long disbanded, you were able to find an organization, an alumna organization. I would imagine there are many. So how how did you find that? How did you- Well, that
1: is in the WASP Museum in Avenger Field. And the reason I knew that is because Ed and I went with our motor home. (laughs) We traveled with our motor home 90,000 miles and went to Avenger Field We covered the whole United States and Canada. So we went there and we saw it. My gosh. And there was a sketch of Nadine on the wall and everything. So I said, wow, this is the place. This is the place where they have everything about the wasps. And so talking to the people there. Yeah. You know? So I had bits and pieces. But then how do I put this all together? And that is where this is really, to me, not only a labor of love, but it was also guidance from above. Because I'm thinking, okay, honey, where do I go from here? And how do I get other people who will help me in the process? Okay, I have an incredible son, Doug Ramsey, who calls me every night. And he was the ITT director of uh, University of California. California, San Diego, okay? So he's, my God, he is in the field of entertainment, in the field of broadcasting, an editor, an author, a writer. I mean, you know, so my gosh, he gave me a lot of what I needed to continue. So that's one big element. Then the author of Ed's books, Steve Revell, they were co-authors in General Ramsey's war he said to me Rocky if you're gonna be writing Nadine's story I suggest you have my prodigy and that's where Trisha Oran comes into the picture but I got to know Trisha because we were trying to make the movie of Ed and Trisha actually worked on the screenplay the script for the movie with with Steve Ravel. so there was the connection. In the moment I met Trisha, it was like, wow, this is the person. She's a screenplay writer. She's gonna give me the colorful, you know, language that we need for the characters. Let's Telling step back. Yeah. Let's step back for one
0: second before we bring in Trisha. Let's talk for one second for somebody who doesn't know Nadine. Tell me, describe for me what what was notable about her achievements? I wanna hear it in your words, why,
1: why was there a statue? What was remarkable about her? Okay, one thing that Ed told me, which was the reason why I wrote, you know, or pursued the uh, writing of the book, he said to me, she had more guts than I ever did. And I said, that's not possible, honey. You led the last horse-mounted cavalry charge in U.S. history in Morong Bata'an on January 16, 1942. And then you stayed and formed the guerrilla forces. Actually, you're a Green Beret before there were Green Berets. Because you stayed behind enemy lines for another three years. Four years behind enemy lines. And you say she had more guts. And he said, it was a different time. And she was a woman. And the reason there was so true. And then he showed me her picture on the back cover of Life magazine. And why did they feature her? Because she was the only woman who owned a P-38. (laughs) So she says, I wouldn't buy a P-38 because she loved, you know, it's her pet. And so She borrows from her brother $1,250 in those days, you know, and buys herself a P 38. So, the only woman that has ever owned a P 38, Life magazine said, that's a story. Boom. They put her on the back cover of the March uh, issue in 1946. And there she is. I mean, everybody's talking. In fact, they did it on Jeopardy, who was the only woman who owned a P38, none of the people knew. And I'm saying, hey, I gotta be there. And just like who led the last horse cavalry charge, they had that question too, and that was it. And so I said, I had two incredible brother and sister, and I wanted the book to honor not only her, but the family. Mom, she was a dermatologist before 1800s. I mean, this she's got her own clinic. This was really a remarkable family that held together. And that's what I wanted the book to honor the family Nell, Nadine, and Ed. But it was Nadine's story.
0: So, so, Tricia, you step into all of this, and you're a young woman, and this probably is remarkable to you that so much was blocked to women. I'm sure you're aware of that, but what Nadine had gone through uh, as, as a woman in, mil- in the military was just unprecedented, obviously. So wh- how did you approach this when, when you got invited into this project? What was your reaction and, and what was your methodology?
2: Well, I got to know a little bit about Nadine as Raki mentioned when I was working on the screenplay. We were doing a screenplay originally wanted it to be a mini series adaptation of Ed's book and Ed's story. Um and because Nadine was mentioned in there, I was like, "Hang on. His sister was also doing a really amazing um like contributing as much as she possibly could to the war effort, even when he was missing and she didn't know where he was. And she was a pilot, you know, uh, ahead of her time when there were really so few female pilots in the United States. And so I got fascinated by her and wrote her into that script um, because their stories to me seemed deeply connected, obviously. And then because of that, Racky approached me to write, um this nonfiction book, which my background is in historical dramas anyway, and research-based sort of projects in terms of screenwriting. Um, as Rocky mentioned, I'm a friend of Steve Ravel's, and he's a biopic writer primarily. Um, and so, I I wasn't scared by the amount of research that writing a nonfiction book. Would entail. I don't think I quite understood how much it would be. It was a very different process for me um, from writing screenplays. So uh, I, you know, Racky came to me with a large pile, a very impressive pile of research, but there were still so many questions that I had. So I ended up doing my own research as well. And, you know, Racky had an organizational structure that she already wanted for the book, Um, but we definitely fleshed it out a lot after I came on board. And we realized, you know, to me, there was a lot that I was curious about in terms of the historical context in which all of this was happening. And I thought it was really important to also capture that in, in the book. And so I did a a lot of research. I actually went on a research trip to Oklahoma and Texas and Kansas and did a lot of research into what was going on in middle America at that time, especially in aviation um, and especially among women leaders in aviation at the time. So I started to see the story, Nadine's story as being inextricably interwoven with that of other women who had kind of started to paved the runway for her and other female aviators. Well, and you raise a really excellent point, And that's what brings a biography to life
0: and certainly brings the one you've written to life. And that is that it, there is more than just uh veneration of a particularly wonderful person who's accomplished. Exactly. In this case, it's so much more. And that, that moment in time of the, the, so the the wasps are like the wax, right? Is that, that as I understand it, you know, they serviced, they weren't officially part of the mm-hmm. Air Force, but they were there to support and and just am I am I right? Did I?
2: There was a, there was always an understanding that they would be militarized, um, and eventually, of course, the wax were militarized much sooner than the wasps. The wasps were not officially militarized until 1977, which was you know is just such a gross injustice. Uh, and just disregard of their incredible contributions to the war effort, um, but they were, you know, in the the Air Force, they were serving in a similar capacity to the WACS, where they were ferrying and and doing other um, aviation jobs domestically um, in order to sort of free men for combat, male pilots for combat overseas. So, so you. And I know
0: we're we're collapsing a, how many years long process? I mean, obviously for Raquel, it's a year's a lifetime. Three
1: years. Yeah. Three years.
0: Three, so three years from three the years. time you two connected to having a manuscript. Mm-hmm. And did you Correct. did you know you would shop it to in the University of Kansas Press seems like a perfect outlet given that Kansas is the birth or not birthplace, but the home. Uh, childhood home of both mm-hmm. your husband, your late husband, and your late sister-in-law. So was it a hard, t- t- talk a little bit about the process of selling the book, because that's another thing that people really don't understand.
1: Well, to write the
0: book, but then to get it out there.
1: <laughs> exactly. And so that was a challenge. I mean, where were we going to go to trade presses, or were we going to go to a university press? Okay. So I spoke to a number of people at the Smithsonian, and I want to tell you that one of the directors there said to me, wouldn't it be interesting if you would approach the University of Kansas Press since she's a Kansas girl, be hometown hero, you know, heroine. And so I said, well, you know, I'm the kind of person that does marketing by picking up the phone and talking to the person on the other end. That's how I did the marketing of my husband's book, 330,000 copies. Just picking up and talking to an editor. Would you like to have something about Lieutenant Ramsey's war? And that's how that book sold from 1990 till today. It's still in Amazon.com. I mean, six iterations of the book. So that was my experience. So I thought, okay, I'm going to pick up the phone and talk to the editor of the University of Kansas Press. And that was Joyce Harrison. And she was just in one phone call fascinated. She said, we definitely want this book, not just as a Kansas story, but as a military story. And wow, I said to myself, oh my gosh, this would be terrific. But she said, you'll have to be patient because we have so many reviews they have to be reviewed by the entire board of the university it's very different from being in a in a published or self-published or in a trade press where they actually like your manuscript and you don't have to go through all of this reviews it's just the people in the staff that will look at it wow this was huge an entire year was just looking at the manuscript and the patience that we had, waiting, 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 is this going to be a go or a no-go? And I had three backups. And this is interesting. One of my backups was my dear friend, Lieutenant Commander Tom Cutler, who actually wrote a blurb right at the back of the book. Dear friend, long time with Ed, you know, he was Vietnam veteran, but uh, with uh, the uh, USS Saratoga and the USS independence. And so being a lieutenant commander, he was the head of the Naval Institute and there was a press. So he says to me, you know, Rocky, if that doesn't happen, maybe we can take it. Or I will give you Dr. Brian Leslie, who is doing aviation in the University of Kentucky press. So I kind of had like two backups (laughs) in case the other one did fly. It was meaningful that she would go home to Kansas and that to me was really my dream and I'm saying honey every night you know Nadine guide me and it happened and boy that day when we had all unanimous approval from the entire board and we had three reviews I mean they gave us the top review came from the woman from NASA who actually wrote the first book on the woman in space. And Margaret gave it top billing. So the board said, go for it. And we got the approval. Oh my God, <laughs> it really <laughs> it was is, a long time. <laughs> it really is a
0: kismet story on so many different levels. And then um, with Jane Seymour optioning it, the actress Jane Seymour, is that yes. she optioned? Yes. How did that come about?
1: Well, that is because of Vanilla Fire. So Vanilla Fire worked with me because they wanted to do Ed's story. They're the the producers The producers of Never Surrender the Ed Ramsey story. We were Oscar shortlisted for Never Surrender the Ed Ramsey story. And so that was a great thing. And so they said, Rocky, if you're going to write Nadine's book, we want to do her story on film documentary. Okay, great. I said, you know, this will take time. I got to write the book when that happens. So along the process, I want to tell you how Shelley Kale got into the picture. Shelley Kale was the editor of Ed's book. So when you're writing something like this, you need somebody who will be doing editing, somebody who will be who has in the field of publishing, and she was a publisher because she had worked on Ed's book and so many other several books. So this was the Nadine team. That is Doug Ramsey, Tricia Oran, Shelley Cale, and me. And that's the four of us, you know? And so it is like every day, keeping everybody, you know, attuned to what's happening. But then when uh, Stephen Barber and Matt Housley, they were so thrilled with the response for Never Surrender, because it was just so acclaimed. So they said, Rocky, tell us when you have the book, we're going to start filming. So I said, well, the book is in process, but they said, we want to start already filming. So because this is another very interesting angle to this, the family in Kansas, there is a family in Kansas still, and this is Barbara Stuntz, this lady is 99, she walks better than I do, she writes better than I do, okay? (laughs) And she wrote me journals about Ed and Nadine because she knew them and mom and Nell, and had pictures in the book photographs. She is a person who loves ancestry. So she's got all of this, you know, history. My whole first chapter, taking flight the Nadine Ramsey story, the first chapter was roots your strong roots, that all came from Barbara stunts. So, I mean, there are so many pieces to the puzzle to make it happen. And so in terms of answering your question about Jane Seymour, so, you know, uh, Stephen Barber is a great guy. When he got Josh Brolin to do the narration, he said, Rocky, I'm going to go with, the, with uh, the information that you gave me and talk to Jane Seymour if she's interested. So she says yes, and she was going to have lunch with me and Trisha, in her home in Malibu. Suddenly COVID hits and that was the end. She was stranded in the United Kingdom and we haven't seen each other, but all the publicity, she's already on the posters and all, and I am so excited to make that happen. So they were able to film in Kansas the Kansas Museum, Aviation Museum. They interviewed the 99-year-old. She's 99 now. It was like 97 when they interviewed her. And she's a dynamo. Oh, my goodness. Barbara Stunt. She's an inspiration to me. And she is Barbara Stunt. Her family's Powell, And they are all in Kansas, Wichita, Kansas. And so, so that's how uh, uh, Jane Seymour got into the picture. And so the, I'm looking forward. Yep. Yeah, sorry. So this is a documentary, not a narrative film. It's another, another doc. It's, yeah, it's another documentary, right. just like Never Surrender the Ed Ramsey Story. Yes. Right. And this will be titled, they love our title. So they took the same title, Taking Flight in Nadine Ramsey Story. It seems like,
0: uh, you know, it does seem like it all came together so seamlessly for you. And it doesn't always, and it doesn't even three years is, Pretty remarkably quick. You know, is, is there something, what would you say to somebody who was trying to uh, assemble a family story who may not be able to have a Trisha and others involved? What would you what would you advise
1: them? I, I'd say the first all first thing first, if you are committed to doing something, I live by the philosophy of my husband, never surrender the Ed Ramsey story. You're a never surrender, you never quit. You continue pursuing and you will find it even if you don't have the right ingredients to make it happen, it's really the purpose. Do you have a mission and you wanna make it happen? And then be resourceful and find the right people that will be able to help you. And I thought the wasps, those ladies, some of them passed away that I interviewed and I talked to, but two of them are, three of them are still alive. And so, I mean, they were just thrilled about this thing unfolding. And then Sarah Reichman, who has written 10 or 12 books on the West. The one thing she told me, she said, Rocky, don't write another West book. Write the story of your family because that's what's going to make the book unique. And she was so right. <laughs> so I stuck to, the family, honoring the family, you know, and uh, Tricia just did the threads of this characters so incredibly well, where you open the page and you see her jumping. I mean, it's like the character just jumped out of the page. And that's a screenplay writer. That's very different from a narrative writer, which I would say I write narratives. I mean, I've taught English for 50 years. So You know, (laughs) it really is.
0: It's the perfect marriage of the two, your both, both of your skills. And it's also probably helpful to have had Trisha's input as an outsider to both the family and that uh, period of time in history, you have a better um, distance so to speak. Right. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: What would you say, Tricia? And we're that we're going to run out of time in just a couple of minutes. What would you say to somebody who's embarking on this kind of research? Because it is so vast. Is there wisdom that you can put in a little
2: <laughs> bow? Take, take extensive notes um, <laughs> and, and keep them organized Keep them uh, organized. Is, is what I would say for yeah. sure. Yeah. So <laughs> I you know, because we didn't have a publisher when we originally set out to write the book and because I lacked experience in nonfiction writing, um, I would have, you know, we didn't know if we were going to a trade press or if we were going to an academic press. And so I didn't know really the extent to which I needed to cite and keep track of every fact <laughs> and all of this stuff. Um, I'm very thankful that we had Shelly Kale and our uh, an archivist at Texas Women's <laughs> University, Corinthia Dorgan was also an incredible resource um, that I was able to contact throughout the process. I'm like, I lost this fact. I had it, I I no longer have it. Um, and so it was, I'm very thankful for that support. And I- <laughs> I would, like I said, do it completely differently again. I would develop a much more detailed organizational process. Um, I would definitely recommend outlining more extensively than I outlined. I, I had the narrative in my head of the story and you know I was essentially every day working around me with just like stacks of books and research (laughs) we have Nadine's military file you know which is a 300 page loose leaf file (laughs) like this and I would just be like where was that transfer order what day was it flipping (laughs) through it I would do none of it the same way again I'm, I'm very thankful that it worked out because we had such amazing support but it's very different from screenplay writing so um, I would definitely recommend start a system, stick to it all the way through. That's gonna be that's gonna be your north star to follow. That'll get you through. <laughs> that's
0: Trisha Orand, co-writer with
2: Raquel Ramsey of Taking Flight:
0: The Nadine Ramsey Story, published in September 2020 by University Press of Kansas. Now Raquel reads from the book at the virtual 2021 Biographers International Organization conference.
1: The Lightnings, which had cost $115,000 to make, more than $1.6 million in 2020 dollars, were going for 1250 per plane, less than $18,000 in 2020. A P-38 at that price was a steal, but on her instructor's salary, Nadine didn't even have that much money readily available. She knew her brother would understand her reason for buying a P-38, so she called Ed and asked for a loan. When he heard what she wanted, he laughed and said yes. On Valentine's Day, Nadine went to Kingman and found the plane of her dreams. She bought it on the spot, making her P-38 one of only 10 planes that were ultimately purchased in Kingman. She flew it back to Long Beach the same day. Sure enough, Nadine's purchase made the news. On February 15, the Los Angeles Times printed a two-column article headlined Woman Goes Shopping, Flies Home with P-38, noting that while most women are still waiting for their post-war dreams of nylons, clothing, and household articles to materialize, Nadine Ramsey of 5300 Hunbury Street, Long Beach, had hers all wrapped up yesterday. Only it wasn't a feminine item. Nadine, the reporter wrote, had stepped figuratively and actually into the stratosphere when she picked off a bargain at such a saving that womankind everywhere can envy her without reserve. She not only scored a neat victory over all bargain-hunting competitors, but so far as is known, she became the first female civilian in the world to own outright one of the world's fastest airplanes.
0: Raquel Ramsey and Tricia Orend co-authors of the new book, Taking Flight, the Nadine Ramsey story. You can hear more about bio on our website, biographersinternational.org. Enzo De Palma created our theme music. Sheree Newman is our podcast editor. I'm Lisa Napoli in Los Angeles. Thanks for listening to Bio.